This is The One Thing Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rindy. The One Thing Podcast brings together leaders in functional and naturopathic medicine to discuss actionable information that may unlock puzzles in the areas of gut health, brain health, metabolism, and longevity. Please note, these episodes do not replace the opinion of your doctor. They are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition. Please discuss this information with your provider and discuss your own unique personal health history before adapting this information. Please subscribe to our episodes so that you can stay on top of the most current information in these areas of medicine. This is Dr. Adam Rindy, and welcome to the next episode of Wild, What I Am Learning Daily. This is a series I do as part of the One Thing podcast to let you have a personal inside look at my learning lab, things that I focus on in learning. I set out to learn more about polyphenols because this is a fascinating topic to me. Um, how something that is so easy to get into our diet could have such a profound benefit on our overall health and could help with inflammatory diseases such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and colon health as such as prevention of colon cancer. So polyphenols are the topic of today's wild. and I'm going to take you through a project that I'm working on just as as far as ranking the most potent polyphenol-rich foods in our diet. But first, some background on polyphenols, and I'm going to use this journal article, The Benefits of Polyphenols on Gut Microbiota and the Implications in Human Health. It was published in the Journal of Nutritional Biochemistry, Volume 24, Issue 8, in August of 2013. So the article goes into talking about what exactly are dietary polyphenols and to summarize they are natural compounds occurring in plants including foods such as fruits, vegetables, cereals, tea, coffee, and wine. The interesting thing about these polyphenols is that only 5 to 10% of the total polyphenol intake is absorbed in the small intestine. So the key thing is is that the remaining polyphenol content goes to the the large intestine and it is utilized in that area in combination um, with the gut microbial community to produce products that generally confer a health benefit and that is a key thing to know is that these are nutrients that are heading down the intestine not being used for our our own internal consumption but mainly to do house cleaning on the colon and that house cleaning results in a postbiotic effect that is largely beneficial for us, the host of the of these microbiota. So, one of the things um, that I thought was really interesting is that there are specific 
bacterial species that have been identified that can utilize uh, polyphenols for their own benefit and for their own growth and production. So some of these that have been identified are Escherichia coli, Bifidobacterium, Lactobacillus, Bacteroides species, and Eubacterium species. These are considered some of the most well-known commensal bacteria in our digestive tract and the fact that they can utilize and catabolize the phenols, polyphenols are is a, a big clue on how the uh, there's a beneficial effect from consuming these foods. Also, um, the other thing that should mention is that some of the polyphenols will inhibit growth of certain uh, potential pathogens. So, um, for example, it has been shown that polyphenols will further um, act on pathogenic or potentially pathogenic bacteria such as E. coli that is pathogenic, Bordetella, Serratia, Klebsiella, Salmonella, Chlorasis, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Staphylococcus aureus, and Bacillus subtilis. So they do this by um, their interaction with these bacteria species can generate hydrogen peroxide. So these polyphenols can um, alter the membrane of these bugs. So if we see an overgrowth, um, then we, we know that potentially polyphenol intake could help control the overgrowth of these species. So um, one of the things that polyphenols are linked to is cancer prevention. And the understanding of it is unclear entirely, but one of the key clues is that um, in rat models, a polyphenol supplementation such as resveratrol reduced a number of colonic associated inflammatory enzymes like beta-glucuronidase, beta-glucosidase, beta-galactosase, and mucinase. And these are um, inflammatory markers that, at least in rat models, have gone down. And we see inhibition in, in this particular uh, reduction of of inflammation also in some pathways such as COX-2, NF-kappa-beta, TNF-alpha, IL-6, and VEGF. And these these are pathways that seem to be modified by polyphenol intake. And we should look at that as a key clue as the some of the real potential benefits of polyphenol intake is just the modulation of inflammation that's so associated with chronic disease um, both in the colon and then systemic diseases that involving end organs like heart disease brain brain dysfunction brain degeneration and this is one of the most interesting aspects of polyphenol consumption
So in this article, there's a really nice diagram how dietary phenols um, go down to the gut and metabolites are produced by the gut bacteria's interaction and there's some downregulation of inflammatory enzymes. Um, there's less risk of carcinogenesis in the colon and um, generally this is seen as a protective food for our digest for our for our health so if you're looking for you know very simple kind of low force ways to improve gut microbiota you know it's really important to think about polyphenols so what what are some of the foods that involve polyphenol uh, have good polyphenol content um, I went through and did some analysis of these foods and um, hoping that this makes it onto the video however um, I just wanted to say that there's various categories of foods in our diet that contain rich amounts of polyphenol and one of the ways I always think about this is the you know the pigmentation or the color colorful foods in our diet those give you clues as to the phytonutrient content phytonutrients are you know nutritional or medicinal parts of of uh, plants that um, confer a health benefit so for polyphenols um, they generally appear in nuts and spices and fruits and some vegetables and I've gone through and using a, a study that um, ranked the content of polyphenols per 100 gram I have gone through and identified which foods will give you the biggest bang for your for your bite as we say um, so like for example cloves um, there's six grams of six grams of cloves per serving so cloves can be used in baking or they can be used as an additive a lot of people put clove spice into their coffee um, but it has 911 milligrams of polyphenols per serving that's quite amazing um, dark chocolate which people seem to like um, has per 45 grams which is a serving size 748 milligrams of polyphenols per serving so this is a whopping dose so just with dark chocolates and cloves you're getting quite a bit of polyphenol intake one of my favorite foods is blackberries and so a serving size is 144 grams and that provides 374 milligrams of polyphenols per serving which is a very healthy dose and some type in a food that um, is easy to consume strawberries another common food one cup um, which is 144 grams will have 338 milligrams of polyphenols per serving so I have this whole chart and um, you know we go through things like black tea and green tea and cocoa powder uh, 
another you know very common way to get polyphenols in in the diet is the old apple a day so one medium apple per day which is 182 grams has 247 milligrams of polyphenols per serving so when we see these various deficiencies in the microbiota we have to kind of look deeply and see if people are able to tolerate or are not consuming polyphenols in their diet so you know for example if people are, are avoiding fruits and they're avoiding nuts Or let's say they're on a very bland diet and not um, consuming very large amounts of spices, um, then they may be going low on the polyphenol diet. I see a lot of restrictive diets out there that say, you know, avoid fruit, avoid legumes, avoid, avoid, avoid. And we have to think about, well, what's the consequences? Are we taking care of that discomfort in the small intestine and trading for a potential problem systemically or a potential problem in the large intestine? We have to really think about what we're doing when we're designing diets that are just meant to make us feel comfortable or meant to make us lose weight. What is the consequences? Um, I do see that, you know, grains are cut out quite a bit, and those have quite a bit of benefit on the the microbiome as well as these polyphenols. So, how do we get these to be in our diet and tolerate them well and support the body so they can you can digest them and feel comfortable? So that's my wild episode this week. I hope this was helpful. Um, I'm going to have a follow-up post on this on my blog, so head over there and subscribe so that you can get the latest episode, uh, latest releases of my blog, blog post. You can go to soundintegrative.com and you can see those uh, blog posts as they're released. Thank you for tuning in to Wild. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the One Thing Podcast. Please share these episodes with your friends, loved ones, colleagues, patients, healthcare providers, anyone who you feel might benefit from hearing these informative interviews. We tend to learn best from people sharing things with us. That's often the first time it's introduced. So don't hesitate if these the content of these episodes reminded you of someone that might benefit from that. Forward the, the episode to them and... I'm sure they'll either appreciate it or be appreciative that you've thought of them. So once again, we'll look forward to seeing you next episode on the One Thing Podcast. And again, much appreciation for you being here with me.